0: it's so good to have you here and uh if you are new with us you may have noticed already that construction is underway uh, part of that construction has to do with our sanctuary the back walls are uh, being removed so we'll have a little more seating and a little easier access to the seats that we have to the rows they won't be quite so tight together and that should be finished in just a couple of weeks, so we're excited about that. And um, we are continuing this morning our series on the lives of Elijah and Elisha, two Old Testament prophets whose stories are given to us in the books of First and Second Kings. When you leave this morning, if you stop by the resource table that will be to your right after going through these double doors, Um, you can pick up one of these study and reflection prompts that has been prepared by David Holcomb for use in self-study, or if your small groups are continuing to meet, it'd be a great little guide, so do feel free to pick one of those up uh, this morning. Last week, we talked about the fact that Elijah appeared abruptly, as recorded in the book of 1 Kings chapter 17, during a time of deep spiritual darkness in Israel, people of Israel were largely given over to idolatry and they were living under the reign of a very evil man, King Ahab, who was married to the wicked Queen Jezebel. Perhaps that time could best be described in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 33 where we read these words. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And that's saying a lot, because there were some wicked kings before Ahab. During this time, uh, as we mentioned last week, there was the worship of an idol called Baal or Baal. Uh, The word itself means Lord or Master, and over time there were different Baals, worshiped by uh, various peoples, worshiped by the Israelites. This particular idol, uh, commentator's note, was believed to provide rain and thunder and fertility. Obviously, rain was critical for crops, for prosperity at that time. And so Elijah appears in the midst of the reign of this Evil King Ahab, who had led the people in the worship of Baal, and the first words that Elijah speaks are recorded in 1 Kings 17 and verse 1 are these: As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So to this king who is leading the people to trust in this idol for their rain, for their provision and crops. Boldly, this prophet appears seemingly out of nowhere and says, there's going to be no rain except by my word, says this on behalf of the Lord God before whom he stands. We noted last week Elijah's name. The name Elijah means, my God is Yahweh. And I mentioned that this is a God-bearing name. The the word for God L is included in the name, and on the end of the name, the A H uh, indicates the name Yahweh, translated as the Lord in most of our Bibles. So here, this prophet appears challenging the belief that by all is Lord, and is saying, My God, my God is Yahweh, Jehovah. My God is the Lord. We also noted last week that Elijah prefigures John the Baptist. In the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, we're given the account of a man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, this elderly couple. And the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son, you should name him John. And he says this about John the Baptist. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, and the hymn is a reference to to Christ, Jesus. He'll go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So just as Elijah was sent to turn the hearts of Israel from Baal back to the Lord their God, John the Baptist would one day come in the spirit and power of Elijah with his bold, direct proclamation, calling people to repentance, turning them to the Lord their God. Now, in the passage that Justin read a moment ago, there was a mention of Obadiah. And um, we are not going to study his life, but as you're digging into these chapters in your own study, he's an interesting study. The name Obadiah means servant of Yahweh, and he's serving under Ahab and Jezebel. You talk about serving in a terrible work environment; his was unbelievable. And Jezebel had decreed putting to death these prophets of the Lord, but Ahab, I mean Obadiah rather, had taken and spared their lives. And so he's the one who uh, who finds Elijah. And uh, he's mentioned briefly, but we're not going to talk about him at this moment. Our focus today is going to be on Elijah once again, but in particular, Elijah's prayer life. And the reason for that is that the Apostle James in the New Testament book that bears his name uses Elijah as an example of prayer for us, remarkable as that may seem that God would use this extraordinary prophet known for his power as an example for you and me. And we find these words in the book of James, chapter 5. James writes, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, Elijah was only human. He was like you and me. He had human weaknesses, fears, frailties. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now think about that for a moment. Elijah was one individual, and God used his prayers to shake a nation that was in the midst of horrible idolatry. And now James is saying the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. He's saying that to remind us of our call to pray for one another. And then he says Elijah was only human. He was just like us. It's remarkable to me that the Lord would point to this powerful prophet as an example in prayer for you and me when calling, exhorting us to pray. So I'd like to take a few minutes today and address the question, how did Elijah pray, and what can you and I learn from his life of prayer? As we look at the record of Elijah, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, the first thing we see about the way he prayed was that Elijah prayed in line with God's word. God had said clearly to Elijah, I will send rain on the earth. After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So when we see Elijah praying earnestly, fervently, as James says about his prayer. The first thing we know is that he's praying in accord with God's word, with God's revealed will. God had said he would send rain. Elijah didn't just make this up out of his own head to stop the rain and pray for it to start again. He was acting in response to the word of God. Effective prayer is prayer that is guided by God's word so that it aligns with his will. The book of 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 tells us this about prayer. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petitions that we have desired of him. Praying in accord with God's will and God's way. This is a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. Oftentimes, our prayers are, are, are driven by our desires, and that's not necessarily bad. I know a number of you are uh, parents, and you have kids who play sports. They play soccer and lacrosse and basketball. and I imagine you've been in a situation like this before. Maybe you're at a soccer game, your daughter's soccer game, and that game comes to an end and the score is tied and it's going to be decided by penalty kicks and your daughter is up to kick and you're sitting in your fold out chair on the sidelines and you see her come up for her kick and you go God dear God Lord you know what it would mean for her emotional health if she would make this (laughs) and not miss this and you lift up your head and you look across the field And on the opposite side, you see someone who goes to your church, who goes to this church, and you realize her daughter's the goalie, (laughs) and she's leaning over like this. Well, whose prayer is God going to answer? Now, I'll tell you this, I'll say this honestly, I have prayed prayers like that. We have sat through, we have two, two children, and we've sat through. Dozens and dozens of soccer games and hundreds and hundreds of basketball games for my son. And there have been countless times when he was on the foul line or something like that. And I know this is not wise. I know I didn't have any guidance in scripture. I said, God, if you would just do this, if you just please do this. And here's what I've learned about prayer in athletic events where there are two teams. Over years of doing this, years and years and hundreds of games, over time, I have discovered that my prayers were effective in a contest between two teams about 50% of the time. <laughs> it just averaged out that way over time. Effective prayer is prayer in line with God's word? Now, next week, Pastor Sunday's is going to lead us in the study of what I think is the most exciting event in the life of Elijah. He has this remarkable contest with the prophets of Baal, and we read this in 1 Kings 18 and verse 36. He's going to pray again, and he's going to say, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. His actions and his prayer are in step in line with God's revealed will to him and his word. And so he prays with great power. So Elijah prayed in line with God's word. Number two, Elijah prayed for the honor of God's name and that people would turn to him. As he's in the midst of the great contest with the prophets of Baal that we'll study next week, he prays this way, answer me. O oh Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God, and you have turned their hearts back. He's acting on God's word, and he's praying for the honor of God's name. He's praying that people would know that God is the one true living God. When you and I pray, as we often do, if you're a Christian, I'm sure you often do this, in the name of God. Jesus. We should be praying for the honor of Jesus and that his name would be glorified. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. Now sometimes we stop right there. I hear people praying in the name of Jesus sometimes in, in saying the name of Jesus. Every other sentence, Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. And, that, and, and again, I almost always begin a prayer coming in the name of Jesus. This is my caution, though. Don't treat his holy name like some kind of a formula to get a prayer answered. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we should be understanding that his name is representative of who he is, all that he is should be regarded with the greatest respect and reverence and holiness. And it should be understood when we're praying in the name of Jesus that we are praying for things that are in line with his honor, with his glory. So let me finish this verse from John chapter 14. Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. When we pray in his name, let's be sure that we're praying for things whereby the Father will be glorified in the Son. The Lord will be honored. Certainly as Elijah was praying, he's praying that God would be known as the true and living God in the midst of all these idol-worshiping people, that their hearts would be turned back to the true God of Israel, Yahweh, the Lord, their God. Elijah prayed in line with God's word. He prayed for the honor of God's name. Thirdly, Elijah persevered in prayer until his prayer was answered. Now remember, God had said to Elijah, I will send rain on the earth. And so as Justin read earlier, Elijah had said, Ahab to eat and drink. He told him it was going to rain. Elijah went up on the mount of, top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. Now, here's what we don't know. We don't know how much time elapsed on each occasion in which Elijah sent his servant to look at the sea. It might have been five minutes. He's praying and he tells his servant, go look out over the sea, see if you see any sign of rain. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was an hour. Elijah might have been praying for 30 minutes. He might have been praying for a whole day. But here's the thing. He prayed until it came to pass. He prayed until that which he had asked for came to pass. God had said he would send rain, so why did Elijah have to pray for an hour or two or six or seven? Why did he have to persevere like that until it happened? I don't know, for sure. But I know this. By prayer, when we are persevering in prayer for something that will honor the Lord, We are entering into partnership with God the Holy Spirit. He is allowing us to come into partnership with Him to see His will brought to pass on earth. Jesus taught very clearly the importance of persevering in prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, two times Jesus, in in teaching about prayer, One time he implies it's important. The other he specifically states it. In Luke chapter 11, he is encouraging his disciples in prayer, teaching them to prayer. And he talks of, he gives this uh, parable type story of a friend coming at midnight and needing food and pounding on the door. And finally, the person relents and gives bread to this friend because of this bold, uh, persistent asking. And then in Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives a parable known as the parable of the unjust judge. And this widow comes to this unjudge pleading with him, pleading with him, wearying him with her asking, and so he gives her what she has. And Jesus taught this parable in the words of the Gospel of Luke that we would always pray and not give up. Jesus associated this kind of persistence in prayer with faith, with having trust in God, faith in God, and Elijah demonstrates this in his life of prayer. He persists. Maybe there's something in your life that you have prayed out, prayed about for a long time, and you haven't seen any change yet. Maybe it's a, a child who is uh, snared in some addiction. Uh, maybe it's a parent who has never come to faith in Jesus. Uh, we all have things like that. I mean, there are things that I've prayed for for decades and seen no change. But I believe that they're God's will, certainly in line with his word. And it is faith and trust in God that calls us to persevere in our prayer. Persevering prayer can be a beautiful expression of faith in God. And so if you're praying for something you believe to be God's will, don't give up. Don't ever give up. By persevering, we're entering into partnership with God the Holy Spirit until we see His will come to pass. And I think Elijah's example teaches us that. He prayed in line with God's word and for the honor of God's name, and he persevered until it came to pass. And then lastly, fourth, Elijah's righteous life was a factor in the effectiveness of his prayers James says this the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working now let me ask this does the way we live have anything to do with the effectiveness of our prayers I'm not talking about earning our salvation. I'm talking about for those here who you, you know you've embraced the salvation of God through Jesus' death on the cross. Does the way you live have anything to do with the effectiveness of your prayers? Here at River Oaks, we talk a lot about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. And we know that we could never earn our salvation, no matter how holy a life we try to live. It's impossible all of sin to come short of the glory of God. We know that Jesus alone can provide our salvation in his dying on the cross, he bore the judgment for our sins. And through our faith in him, not only are we declared forgiven, but we are declared, we, we, we read in scripture that the righteousness of Christ himself is credited to us. And we're called in Scripture to receive the gift of righteousness. But we're also called to live righteously. Listen to these verses. First from Jesus and then from the Apostle John. Jesus said in John 15 verse 7 to his disciples, to his followers speaking to you and me if you know Jesus as your Savior. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's no promise that if you and I live in direct violation with God's word, our prayers are to be answered. First John chapter 3 and verse 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do what is pleasing in his sight. Our righteousness only comes as a gift of God through Jesus, but we are called out of our love and gratitude to him to live righteously. And when we do, we can pray with greater confidence. The Apostle Peter, writing to husbands about how they should treat their wives Says husbands live with them in an understanding way. And he gives instruction there about how husbands should relate to wives and says, Do this so that your prayers may not be hindered. When we live in a way that is in direct contradiction to something that is in God's word, we are not going to have confidence when we come to him in prayer. So the Bible calls us to receive the gift of righteousness but also to live righteously. And we see in the life of Elijah, he prayed in line with God's word. He prayed for the honor of God's name, that people would turn back to the true and living God. He persevered until his prayer was answered. And his righteous life was, I believe, a factor in the effectiveness of his prayer. So how do you and I pray like Elijah? Well, let me just recap this for a moment. First, depend upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ for your salvation. This is not a call to try to clean up your life so you can earn your salvation. You and I can never earn or deserve salvation. We have to acknowledge our sin and come humbly to God, recognizing that the Son of God came to this earth and gave his life on the cross to provide for our salvation. And his righteousness is then credited to us. A remarkable thing. And so we depend upon the righteousness of Jesus for our salvation. And the motivation to live righteously for him is is love and gratitude for what he's done for us. In your prayers, seek to pray in accord with God's word and God's will. That's why the better we know the scripture and the revealed mind of God, the more effective we can be in our prayer life. Pray that his name will be honored in your circumstances. Maybe you're in the midst of a terrible conflict at work. You're working with somebody who's very, very difficult. One of the ways to pray is that God would be honored in those circumstances, that you would conduct yourself in a way that would reflect honor and glory to God, that his name would be honored in the circumstances of your life. Pray that people will be turned to him. I think that's always in accord with his will. And then persevere, persevere in believing prayer. When you believe something to be the will of God and you pray for it for year after year after year after year and you have not seen it happen, do not give up. Jesus taught that parable in Luke 18 to show that we should always pray and not lose heart. Let's pray about these things this morning. Would you join me? Father, teach us when we pray in the name of Jesus to be very aware that we are seeking that the Father be glorified in the Son. Help us in our lives of prayer to pray more fully for your honor for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. And Lord, I want to pray now for anyone here this morning in this service who may have never truly received the gift of righteousness by turning from their sin and their efforts to gain salvation to you in your provision of salvation. Would you call that person to yourself this morning? to place themselves fully in your care, relying on the work of Jesus on the cross for the gift of righteousness. Father, I pray that you would raise the level of prayer in our church in these coming months, that we would uh, remember the example of Elijah, and that he was, a, he was a man just like us. I mean, he was only human, a person just like we are with weaknesses, fears, and frailties, but yet you used him to change a nation. Use us, Lord, individually and corporately, we pray. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, amen.